Welcome to Border Friends Podcast about hobby gaming uh, and all the nerdy fun that goes along with it. And this, no, hold on, I can read you that. Welcome to Border Friends Podcast, all about robots that turn into cars and robots that turn into uh, mammals and robots that turn into reptiles and robots that turn into other robots. So robots in disguise, if we wanted like a blanket term for them. You know, wow. Okay, you should you should TM 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 TM. We're copywriting that right now. Um, trademarking robots in disguise. My name is Sean. And I'm with Zach. Hi, Zach. Hey. And I'm also with Devin. Hi, Devin. How, how you doing? This is the worst intro ever because I got a lot of sweeping declarations to make about here. We're here to talk about uh, Transformers: War for Cybertron: Colon Kingdom: Colon There's Beast Wars now. Did they add another uh, subtitle? Uh, it, the, colon, this one's a monkey, and the eyes are just <laughs> as creepy as it was. <laughs> the eyes are just as creepy as it was. It's a gorilla, and it, the eyes are just as creepy as they were in 1997. Why is his eyes so big and white? He's finally know. here, Sean, performing for you. If they weren't big and white, then you wouldn't know, too. Because in 1997... In 1997, Sean, it was actually the same primal because he's from the future. He's from from your future. I, I, as we've, a couple of things I want to say before we start talking. Sure. Because sweeping declaration, full disclosure, I did not watch the last episode and a half of this because it became, because it became it, it it. Couple of reasons, but the biggest one is the whole thing's just just a fucking mess. Um, <laughs> Wait, can we swear on this one now? Yeah, PG thirteen. That was the one. Um, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm joking. He earned the one. I've been so positive, or as positive as humanly possible, while we've watched these other things, and like you guys are like way more into it, and like you're being crybabies, like it's gonna be okay. Wow. It's for the kids. Yeah, there's like four things in here for you, so that way you're happy. And I found like exactly four things where it was just like, oh, that is, I, in my mind, is that going, they said it's for the fans. And it's like, yeah, Dinobot one-shotting like eight dudes is for the fans. And then also, what else was for the, for the fans? Um, that's a bunch of, oh, oh, oh uh, Starscream with, with this little illusion. And he's like, yes, I have the crown. Let me put it on my head. That's for the fans. Look at all this fan service you got, Zach. Look at all these rotating, spinning tower fans of freedom yeah. just for you. See, you're, you're citing things that I wouldn't have picked. Yeah, but they're things that <laughs> even I knew. So therefore, yeah. they're for so the fans. fan service for Sean as someone only tertiarily connected to the Transformers. Right. I had... I had the the Megatron purple dinosaur. I had him and sold him for the yard sale for five dollars and cried afterwards. I had him. Oh well, you're in luck. They're reissuing him. Well, I want mine that I sold at the Duns. Well, sure, uh, you're in luck. They're reissuing the original Beast Wars Megatron toy, the one you had. Oh god, they're gonna sell that for a lot of money, probably. Probably, it's like forty bucks. But. The... And, and and you have to find one. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the too. real hard part about it. Freaking scalpers. The, b- before we open it up to the nonsense, the, the last thing I want to say is the last thing this show needed was more characters. And there are, like, way too many characters. And, like, and when there were only, like, four, like, three or four Predacons, I was like, 
oh, that's weird. There's only like three or four Predacons. But then when there were like 12 Maximals, I was like, there's way too many. There's way, way too many dudes here. I understand why there's like three Predacons now. This makes total sense. I get it. There should have been... And I understand they left most of the people. By most of the people, I mean the two Iron Eyes and uh, Bumblebee back at the ship. So that way the other 15 of them can walk around in the, in the woods for four hours. What is this? I mean, I'm you upset. could argue based on writing that they didn't add many characters at all. That's what an interesting thing. Some <laughs> of them were just elevated extras. They, they were just, just leads. There. They'd call them on a CBS sitcom. Oh, Sean. <laughs> why, why can I, Primal I, fly? Why can he fly? He was a, he was a he was an ape, and like he's he's running around. He's going through the trees. Doing he flew doing, in the original show. Yeah, at the risk of bashing uh, okay. uh, it over the head, he's from your future. <laughs> well, all I thought of so so in my mind, you know that really great part of Rise of Skywalker where where they're where they're in that third desert planet that's not Tatooine or Jakku, and they're being ta- chased by the stormtroopers, and then one of them's got a jetpack, and they go, they fly now. Um, I'm, that was that was in my brain when when Primal just just like did, did a big old jump and I'm like oh that's a big old jump and then he's like and then he was flying and I was like they fly now and then Starscream flew and he goes I fly and then flew, and he flew away. we all fly Starscream you're not special anymore he flew away it was funny. <laughs> So is that when you stopped watching? Because if you stopped watching with an, an episode and a half left, it has to have been when, I, I guess, spoilers and yeah, jumping was... way ahead, Teletron 1 turned into a robot? I was confused. There's a lot of stuff happening. And then uh, Megatron had the the Matrix of Leadership, which he wasn't worthy. Either he wasn't worthy to put inside of his chest hole, or he just wanted to wear it as a necklace. I was confused. And then he walked. And then he he walked into the thing. And then like there was a bunch. He was like, "Yes, I won." And it was like, "Just kidding. They're all zombies." And like it was his nightmare or something. At this point, <laughs> I was doing. I I was already doing other stuff while watching it because I just couldn't anymore. And then they fly now. <laughs> then I did. Then I just I I stopped. Well, you missed all the best parts. That's there's literally no way that that's the best part was. <laughs> all right, the, the the best part was the episode and a half where Dinobot did stuff besides be upset, and then he died. Oh, the best part was the 36 episodes of character development for Dinobot crammed into an episode and a half. Also, he was he. I don't he, disagree. I'm just making sure. No, he had the most. I think Dinobot had the most character development in the entire show, no. more than ever, more than everyone else. Also, Mirage made some real cool mirages, by the way. So no. he had so many good. He had so, so many good mirages. He did. I, I actually really liked that Astro Train bit when he copied him and stuff. Um, but Dinobot, seriously, Devin's right. They, he didn't have character development. They took almost word for word his end almost, sequence. No, word for word. <laughs> they, they took almost... I saw them next... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean I've seen the videos and, and the, the talking head points of this is the same speech and that's the fan service, Sean. Your uh, okay. fan service is the 1986 movie references, but like the true fan service is all Beast Wars related. And I well, know that because very little of that connected with me. Well, I was gonna say the 
the little rampage he did when he went on his rampage and he had the little uh samurai thing and like stuff i was like oh yeah i remember i remember really liking dinobot because he was a raptor and i was 12 or whatever and here we are <laughs> how old was i i i With found dinobot in this show to be cringe inducing because i think um i don't think the actor really was trying or portraying the lines the way they needed to be said like there, there wasn't it just didn't come across as you know noble i wasn't getting the same character arc even though like i said almost word for word he was taking the original dinobots character arc it was just very frustrating to watch him um and him bouncing off of i'm Black sorry Ryan it was what? what what was it frustrating it was frustrating <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, i'm glad you bring i'm so I'm sorry Devin, i i before i forget i'm glad you brought up the voice acting because dinobot sounded like he was a like 1990s chris sabat trying to figure out what piccolo was going to sound like but he didn't quite know yet and then also i don't know i was afraid of why i was afraid of messing up primal's voice in that little short you wanted me to do because this guy fucking sucks sorry second swear put it in the coin jar I was like, in no offense, sir. Maybe you weren't given good direction. Maybe you didn't have a lot of time. But it, but that that dude did not sound. I, I, I have it in my, I have it my notes here that I wrote when I first watched it. Why does Primal sound like Charles Barkley? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a line um. in the show where he says, "I have an idea." And it's terrible. <laughs> it's like, why does he sound like Charles Barkley? <laughs> It, it, and also, when they were fighting on the ship, he sound like like his speech patterns sounded like uh, primal. It's not the it, like, like like tribal a little bit. Like it was like broken. Like his English spoke like he sounded like he was gonna speak like not quite understand. Like like Tarzan, like me Tarzan. And, and I was like, that's oh, that's an interesting take. But no, that would so, be a bold choice if they no, committed no. to it. Like, but but then five minutes later, he was just speaking normally and i was like oh why was he talking like that in that other scene that was weird and then, like i didn't think about it for a little while and then as he continued to talk i was just like this is just so i like the dynamic between the two optimists though because it's like megatron was all about the legacy of megatron and then primal was just like i really don't like that i'm you i did like that i but, found sorry, it Zach. interesting because uh, i watched this at 1.25 speed so I was watching it faster than you're supposed to watch it. And they still had these ridiculously long pregnant pauses whenever Primal or Optimus Prime spoke. And a lot of other characters too, but really those two were the most egregious when it came to it. That's because everything is with fake gravitas. It, it was the Matrix. Irritating beyond measure. It, it was something I didn't notice until this um uh, a set of chapters from the show. I don't like that the boxy bots, so like Megatron, Optimus, etc. Uh, I never really looked at it, but like where their like abdomen would be, not their abdomen, like where their like where their stomachs would be, where like their lower torso would be, move as if they're not like five blocks on top of each other, and it really bugged me. Like they moved <laughs> like they had muscles and they were had skin. Not like they were robots. 
and for the humanoid shape, like the the true humanoid, like RC and stuff, it's the ones that are actually shaped like, you know, people as we know people. Flexing like that makes sense because they have significantly more parts, so their articulation is going to be better. But when these giant boxy guys are walking, like they have a, have a dookie in their pants, but then they can still bend their stomachs, I was really confused and I didn't like it. Fair enough. I, I have no notes on that. poet, Sean. I just... I... <laughs> For some reason, it's like I said, in the other ones I found all the... And maybe it's just like I really liked Jetfire and, and everything that was going on on um, on Cybertron. And then since that was not in this one at all, like it went, you know, there was Space Horse. Well, you didn't watch <laughs> to the end. Now in the super future, and I'm just like, good God, like I don't like this. Also, there's no reason why Black Arachnia does, shouldn't have hands. Spiders don't have scorpion claws. That really made me mad. More than it she didn't have hands in the original. She had those claws, but she had hands before they went to Earth. When, when like in that weird shadowy sequence with all the That's true. added <laughs> grain for That's no true. reason, she had, she had hands. She had hands, and then she she turns into a spider. Which every other. I mean, maybe not every other. I'm speaking hyperbolically, obviously. But, like, if you got Sexy Spider Lady, she got the eight legs. But guess what? She got hands, man. Hmm. Peter Parker's got hands when he's wearing the Iron Spider suit. Why don't this bitch have hands? I don't know. So I don't I don't have an answer for that. I don't either. So, <laughs> you don't got hands. Spiders I, I, don't have scorpion gonna, claws. We're getting really derailed here. And I, I understand that that's kind of in the vein of, you know, Kingdom. But... I find it very interesting that, like, you, you Sean, are the one that's the most critical right now. <laughs> um, I, did, I, I haven't, I, uncharacteristically, I haven't let Devin speak at all. Uh, True. So, <laughs> I, I, I really want to say thanks for having me on this one, guys, because, you first of all, the band-aid that I was, like, so nervous to rip off is that I, too, watched it. I watched it in 1.5 speed. Um, not the first time. The first time I did it regular speed, but when I'm like, I have to watch it again, I'm like, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> it's so meandering, and, and I have more important things to do. So three episodes I watched at regular speed, and then I threw on the 1.5 speed, and I'm like, I thought this might make it better, and it didn't. Somehow it didn't. It did not. Somehow it's still slow and draggy when moving at 1.5 the speed that they originally put it together and then sean coming in here with with all of these criticisms about why is he a monkey with the big eyes and i want to come here and say why are they all perfect replicas of animals and then for some reason megatron is a purple dinosaur and i know <laughs> i know that they did that in beast wars but like, Rat Trap looks like a real rat. Like, I will give them credit that his beast mode really got an upgrade. Because it was Uncanny Valley for me when I was a kid. I never liked Rat Trap's look in in animal or bot form. So, like, to look at him in this and be like, oh, wow, that like, looks like a real rat. The same way I felt when Dinobot was revealed at the end of Earthrise. And I'm like, that looks like a real dinosaur. And then you have this one big purple dinosaur... That, you know, loves Megatron, and that's... And I'm like, but why? Like, explain why he's purple. <laughs> Please. Um, I, I, I think that the only reason why he's purple is because then it'd be confusing if you had two brown dinosaurs and one was big and one was small. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And, I and just... also, pur purple is evil! Hey, 
it never bothered me before, but it bothered me in this one where despite Optimus Prime's eyes that stare deep within your soul into a former life you lived, probably in the 16th century, uh, like him as a purple dinosaur just feels fake. Oh my God. I just remembered something that I've been talking about on these other two episodes and I texted Zach about last night and I forgot to bring it up. I cannot believe that the CD was actually a CD. And he put it in the freaking, <laughs> he put it in his arm to listen to it. Like it was like a, like, like an audio diary from an, from an adventure game. And he's trying to find out the next hint from himself to like beat this time warp that doesn't exist. And if he had listened to the end, it would have stopped a lot of it from happening. Yo, Galvatron! I know it! I can fly now! So, we! I, I think I said this to, I, I forgot who I said it to, one of you, but I've become kind of desensitized to a lot of the bad in this. Because I, I'm looking at my list of notes, and I have more good than bad. Um, which is amazing to me, because it really is not that great. Rewatching it this morning, I'm like, this is really kind of boring. Meandering, I think was the term that someone threw out there. Um, but the notes that I have are all, like, I mean, it's beating a dead horse at this point to just say, like, you know, the writing is really terrible, the dialogue is awful. Um, but to note on, like, going back to the voices, I had, uh, notes here from the first time I watched it where I said, Tigatron and Dinobot need to swap voices. Uh, <laughs> because the guy who did Tigatron sounded like, uh, Beast Wars Dinobot, and the Dinobot in this just sucked. Um, Primal, also I wrote, sucked. But the biggest punch to the face, I think, is... I don't know who voiced Beast Wars Megatron in this, but but I hate his guts. Because it's yeah, just bad. Yeah, I didn't bad. like him at all. <laughs> he and sounds like a Slopinok. Yeah. And it makes sense that that would hit you on, like, a personal level. Because one of the reasons we're friends is how impressive to me your Megatron voice is. Yeah. Uh, specifically your, yeah, your Dino Megatron. I'm like, yeah, he's good. Like, he's, I always thought you were cool. We roomed together in Disney and like, that's where the seeds were planted. And then as I learned more about you, like one of the pros is like, I'd have someone who could talk like the dinosaur Megatron. That's, that's not a bad thing to have in your Ocean's Eleven style group. It's not. Um, but this guy, it, it's, Rewatching it this morning and hearing his, especially his first opening lines, it's like they tried to write it for David Kay. And he butchers it. You know, he, he's opening line is, yes, but it's not, he, he doesn't get anything correct. It's like they, did, did he even try to watch the old show or he just couldn't do it? You know, it, it's just, it was mind boggling and it was painful to listen to him. Because especially the way, as you learn more about this character, he's a sycophant. He's just whining about how much he loves Lord Megatron and how he did everything for him and stuff like that. And it could have been a good story to have him like fanboying out to G1 Megatron, but I don't think they did it well at all. Um, and it especially became painful to me towards the end spoiler sean because i know you're totally going to watch the last episode um when galvatron <laughs> is saying i you know calling him a buffoon and saying he only recruited him to get the golden disc to him his former past self megatron um and it was just 
it felt like they were crapping on, in my opinion, the best leader in you know the bad guy history of Transformers. <laughs> so it was it, it was insulting to watch this character. It it's just it was not great. Where I can accept crappy Optimus Prime in this show because Optimus Prime has never been a very good leader. Don't at me. Um, he's not that great of a leader when you look at the grand scheme of things in Transformers. I mean, ex- obviously, except for the Michael Bay um, quintilogy. He's uh, yeah, that nonsense. Um, what, what, how is he? Th- I'd like not to derail us from the reason we're here. Why is he a great leader in those movies, Sean? Uh, he leads by example, and by example, I mean that that one forest scene before he gets killed in the second one, and he's got the two swords. That's a real cool. That's a real cool leader moment right there. You're what's wrong with people watching those movies, Sean? Just to be that. fair, I said that. <laughs> all right, all right. Two things. Number one, I said that because I knew it would make you upset. Number two. <laughs> number two, to say that that is not a cool, uh, uh, a well choreographed fight scene, you're just being. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Curmudgeon? Poopa pants? <laughs> no, when, when you hate stuff on purpose, contrarian, just being a contrarian. I do like <laughs> the fight scene, but again, it's ruined by the fact that it's, there's, there's that no movie. character development. There, you know, you're shit, not a character that doesn't <laughs> deserve it. Like, you didn't put any effort into the rest of the movie. Why should I care about this scene? Um, oh, and my the next one with, Sen- with the guy on the moon, Vector Prime, Sentinel Prime. That's the one we're talking about. I don't know. They all blur together. Um, I think oh, he's talking about the forest the fight. The, 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 what, what, when is there a forest fight? And, uh, At the beginning of the second one when Optimus dies. Does the second Optimus doesn't die in the second one. They go to Chernobyl, and then they find out that the, there are bombs on the moon, and no, Kevin Kemp is a one. bad guy. That's the third one. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't acknowledge <laughs> Revenge of the Fallen <laughs> because it ruined one of my favorite characters. Uh, he's not on fire. He's supposed to be on fire. <laughs> Hey, Why are isn't you, he on fire? Are, are you talking about because you didn't think that, um... Oh my god, I almost said Alan Tudyk. Not Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Why am I brain farting on... Oh my god. I, I, I mean, I, I threw you off by talking about Dark of the Moon, and Alec Tudyk is a huge part of Dark of the Moon. <laughs> Plus, it's the 10-year anniversary of Dark of the Moon. Probably the only time that I can say to Zach, Happy 10 years of Dark of the Moon, Zach. I, I can't. John Totoro. That's who I meant. Wait, have you upset that John Totoro's underpants weren't funny enough? <laughs> it's not no. why that movie doesn't exist to you. I'm upset that The Fallen was very Doe Regard at the time, so they threw him into the second Transformers movie as fan service, and it that was so egregious to me. And it bombed. Yeah. Um, my next note for bad things is Optimus still sucks, just going off of what I was saying earlier. Sure. I, I wrote these when I first watched it, so some of these I haven't read since I wrote them, so this is fun. This uh, is good. I like it. Uh, my note after that was, why is there snow on Cybertron? That's a really good question. That's from the end of the movie, right? Yeah, the end of the, <laughs> end of the, the show? last episode. <laughs> Sean, why is there um, snow on Cybertron? Please enlighten me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see it happening. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the ashes of their fallen enemies descending upon them. I mean, the ashes are the only answer that would kind of work for me, but it wouldn't be did they, white. Did they bring the It'd volcano rusty, back with them? Right? Did yeah, they right? bring the volcano back with them? Did it erupt? No. No, no. They they crossed through some sort of magical teleportation portal. 
that I mean, it's, it's just the space bridge, I guess. Was they, the horse there they again? They go through the space bridge, and then they decide to warp again. They're like, we gotta make another jump, and then they do it. But then they show up in the dead universe, and they're like, oh my god, we're in the dead universe. And then they disappear, and then they're in Cybertron. Yeah, I don't know how they got to Cybertron. Even who just told me how they got to Cybertron, and I'm still like, did they though? Are they? Uh, is oh, it wait. all? A, is it all a fever dream? Did they ever leave? Question: Was there snow because Santa was there? No, no. This will be a great callback, depending on the order in which these episodes are released, <laughs> because we talked we talked extensively about Santa's. Um, history within the, the Power Rangers universe, which is quite substantial. Devin, I don't know if you know oh, how often I got the Ninja Claus. Steel, Super Ninja Steel. Their Christmas episode is something that I've watched every year since it first aired. Wonderful. That's a surprise. Did, in Japan, there is a Christmas Ranger. Um, uh, I got, I got you sent to, uh, shoot, what was it? Is he name? red and green? Oh, yes. yeah, right down, the, right down <laughs> the middle, baby. <laughs> But not the way, but, but not the direction you'd expect. Horizontal. It's it's vertical. He's oh god! <laughs> I expected vertical, and I'm like, well, that's just terrifying. Lengthwise. <laughs> all right, all right. Style. So oh. back to kingdom, though. Sorry. Oh, I had more notes. Hold on, hold on. Um, I said. Right, well, okay. Oh, sorry. If you're ready, go. I, I was all right, gonna so vamp. So, so, so here are my notes. I, I think I've uh, brought all these up, but I, I still want to read them out loud. So, why was I afraid to do Primal's voice? Oh, look, several, oh, look, several mirages. Uh, why, does, <laughs> why doesn't Black Arachnia have hands? Question mark. Um, here's, here's your for the fans BS with the crown. And uh, was that? This I don't know what autocorrect it says. Was that you that Dinobot one shot? I don't know what that one is. I, I want to go back to the crown because I have a note on that. Okay. Yes, please. Let's talk more about the crown. It looks just like the 1986 one. Exactly. So uh, it's not so much the crown. It's more of that whole scene um, yes. that I wrote under my good column, actually. Um, hallucinations. So I mentioned the crown. The wolf call. Let's see if you picked up on that, Devin. I bet you did. Oh, of course. I love that. I mean, it, it's one of those. I mean, here's the thing. I, here's what I was going to vamp with. And that is Beast Wars in terms of the entire Transformers universe is probably what I know the second least about. Um, I would watch seven minutes before I left to get on the school bus every day before school. So collectively, I have seven minutes of every episode in my head. <laughs> and there, there are a lot of the setup. I don't know how a lot of it resolves. But like, a lot of running on the planes. <clears throat> yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of vamping because it's hard to animate three-dimensional computer-generated images in 1997. And I understand that. I get that. But like, it's just one of those things. So Beast Wars is not one of these ones that I come into with a lot of like knowledge about. But then you talk about Sean saying these are the fan moments. That wolf howl, that being Black Arachnia's hallucination, is awesome. Like, yeah. that was an awesome moment. To me, the, the reason why that was awesome, and I'm sure you'll agree, Devin, is because that was fan service done right in my mind. Because it's a call to a character who's not there. It, But fans who hear it know exactly what that's supposed to mean. 
that and why it's important to black arachnia but it didn't do anything else and it didn't need to so it was really nice that she's like there's something out there and it freaks her out and she doesn't know why i thought that was really cool same thing with the crown where yes it's fan service on a level where okay anyone who's seen the 1986 movie knows you know starscream wore a crown but the way they do it it felt more like it felt like the Allspark was reaching into almost like a to pull a Harry Potter reference, almost like the Allspark was acting like the mirror of Erised. Like it was telling them like, this is what you want, you know, giving people what they wanted to distract them and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. I did like that as a, using it as a weapon like that. Uh, the same thing with, um, I also wrote Sunstreaker <laughs> um, because even though he's not seen, uh, Sideswipe uh, can see Sunstreaker. Like, that's his hallucination, his brother. Which is a callback to the comics, where Sideswipe is obsessed with one-upping his brother. Um, so it, that was another, like, really clever way of doing it. Uh, by saving money and not having Sunstreaker in the show. Even though he does have a toy. But I did... I liked that moment. That's why I wrote it under the good column. I mean, it's one of those situations where... Uh, recently, for one of the other shows that I do, the Adam Sandler Cinematic Universe, we we just did The Wedding Singer. Okay. And we talk about how it that movie's all about fan service and all about nostalgia for the 80s. And in a movie like that, almost every scene wants to remind you that it's in the 80s. And they, they never cross a line. And the best part about it is they don't cross that same line with the really deep dive Beast Wars fan service in that all spark moment. I mean, that's that whole sequence is the best fan service in, in at least this entire section, if not one of the top three throughout the entire trilogy, because it goes just far enough where like you recognize it, but it doesn't take you out of the moment. Yeah. Like black Arachnia hearing that voice, hearing that noise and being like, there's something out there. Like, it's enough for me to be like, oh, wow, like, that's a thing that either is going to happen or has happened, or, like, the Allspark is communicating with them on a multiversal level, and there are hints to the multiversal nature of this series, because that kind of just comes out of nowhere around the fourth episode, that, like, this whole thing has been about changing timelines. Mm. And I, I just... I don't know. Like... I wish that that had been there from the beginning. I it really too. feels like these three parts of the trilogy were, did not have any sort of Bible to connect them, did not have the same people in the room pitching stories and ideas. There was no... It wasn't a beginning, a middle, and an end. It was Siege, Earthrise, and Kingdom. And they tried their damnedest to, like, give little breadcrumbs in the end of Earthrise for this being the story of Kingdom. But it just... If the whole trilogy, if the entire War for Cybertron trilogy was about changing the timeline so that the Decepticons can finally be the victors, that would be awesome. But the Siege Megatron, he is just obsessed with ruling Cybertron and, and making Cybertron great again. That's his character. This so that by the end by the end of the series, that he is like I need to change my whole freaking timeline. That's the only way that I can do that. It it doesn't feel like it comes from anywhere. Yeah. I I wrote in the good column, the story in this is more compelling. And 
that you basically summed it up right there because compartmentalized is what these are siege does not feel like it connects to earthrise and earth other than you know it ends with them getting on the ship um earthrise does not feel like it connects to kingdom other than you know you see dinobot at the end and they've crash landed on earth all of the story is supposed to be building towards this time travel multiversal shenanigans of kingdom but there's no actual build-up to it so it did feel like it was out of nowhere i like the idea of this because one of the first things i thought of when they said okay we're doing kingdom and beast wars characters are going to be in it i said how do you redo beast wars like it, it doesn't feel like you could redo beast wars without just telling the story again that's what's going on with the comics right now they're just telling the story again in a worse way um this and the second note I made was, I actually like these post-apocalyptic Maximals. I think this is a really cool... The timeline screwed up. That's the story. Um, it should have been, like you said, Devin, from the start. Like, if we had had hints of the Predacons and Maximals, you know, on in, in Siege somewhere. Like, even little pieces of them. Like, if they, they had turned out, like, you know, what they were disguising themselves and there from the start and messing with the timeline this would have been a very cool story, but instead you just get them at the very end and it feels poorly done. Well, I mean, even that, there's sort of, it's sort of an interesting situation where Galvatron approaches Megatron in the fifth episode of Earthrise to try to get him to change his timeline so that Galvatron doesn't wind up as Galvatron, right? Mm -hmm. That's that whole sequence. If that had happened in the beginning, right? And us as fans would know, oh my god, that's Galvatron. Or even if Galvatron is in like a hood and he disguises himself and he tells Megatron, I'm from a future where you lost and I'd like it if you won. And then that is how everything starts in the Siege story, right? Is Megatron literally being given the strategy guide to win the war for Cybertron. And then still constantly being thwarted at every turn by the actions of Optimus Prime. And the fact that, oh, but Galvatron didn't know about the Alpha Trion protocols. And all these other things that come up. Um, and then, So then you have Megatron who, like, is reluctant to follow Galvatron, right? He doesn't have any reverence for Galvatron in, in these ways. And they get separated somewhere along the line in Earthrise. I mean, dead universe, there's a million different ways that you have them separate. So then Galvatron, rather than trying to talk to himself, trains up a sycophant who will be devoted to him, knowing that he has to play to his ego. So you get to see kind of those two different sides of worship. And, like, it could have been a really compelling story. Yeah. And every time I feel like I'm on one of these episodes, I feel like I'm trying to fix the story. And maybe that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just that, like, there is a good through line in these six episodes. The the finale on Cybertron and and the we want to sell you a Transforming Teletron 1 in the fifth episode, like, those are good moments. They don't just seem like gratuitous, toyetic moments. They feel earned within this narrative. And just, like, imagine if this wasn't the first six episodes of Kingdom, but rather the last six episodes of the War for Cybertron trilogy. Sorry. I... Or, to expand on that, the last six episodes of, like, a War for Cybertron show. 
You know, yes. like a a 20, 30 episode show that actually had time to breathe and had time to, you know, expand on the stories. Like this felt like a series, not a series finale, because they definitely leave it on a cliffhanger, uh, you know, that they could do more. But it felt like the end of what should have been a really epic romp through the Transformers multiverse. But instead, you've got this disjointed, out of focus thing. Like, I think we said in the, the Siege review, like, Siege felt like two episodes stretched out to six. Mm-hmm. Earthrise felt like, I don't know, one episode. <laughs> like, Earthrise felt yeah, like Earth, one Earthrise. episode. Yeah, yeah Earthrise <laughs> stretched like out to six. Whereas Kingdom yeah. felt like. 20 episodes crammed into six. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of the other two shows. This needed... It needed an, uh, another writer in the room to say, hey, slow down, we need to stretch this out. Like, throw some money at it. Um, I think you and I, Devin, were talking about it um, outside when you asked my opinion of uh, the He-Man series. I'm like, it. I have to like the other Netflix shows more because at least those you could feel the love from the creators. You know, they wanted to make a good show for a a franchise that they loved. This felt like a bunch of people just wanting to make a Transformers show to make money. Like it, it, and it did obviously because the toy line's selling like crazy. So it's doing its job, but it's very disappointing that this is the kind of stuff that does its job, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. I mean, and you've been, you're the longest Transformer fan in this room, Zach, right? Uh, I, I will admit that. Be- yep. <laughs> um, I fell out after Beast Machines. Beast, Machi- Beast Machines is one that really grabbed me um, because it was on on Saturday mornings. I could watch full episodes. It was no longer just seven minutes of of each episode that I got to catch. Occasionally, I'd see a full episode on, like, a day off. So Beast Machines, and it was characters that I had kind of grown to know through watching, you know, 65, seven-minute moments from from Beast Wars. So it it, it got me. But then after Beast Machines, I I didn't care anymore. The the whole, um, I guess that's Minicons and Primus and and all of that. Like that whole sequence, I don't even know the name of it. Armada? Is it Armada? Is that is that the, the thing that followed that up? The Armada trilogy, yeah. Yeah. Or the uh, So the Armada trilogy, trilogy yeah. yeah. I know nothing about. Like that's why Beast Wars is the one I know the second most about, the second least about, because that whole Unicorn trilogy, nothing. You that is a blank a wavy spot. line connecting Generation One through Beast Wars to those machines. After that, yeah. Robots in Disguise, then the Armada trilogy, and all that. None of them are connected, so it doesn't matter. And I know you watched Animated right. because Animated was. Awesome. But, but, but Animated is what brought me back. Yeah. I mean, what really brought me back was getting tickets to go see the premiere of Transformers in 2007 yeah, baby. in Rhode Island, the Rhode Island premiere of Transformers, and sitting next to Tyrese Gibson and just having an amazing once in a lifetime moment. <laughs> watching that movie and, and then, then going to botcon <laughs> yeah well he saved my life beforehand that's what made watching the movie so good um so like and then watching that movie and botcon was right around it like so i got tickets to the premiere of the movie in rhode island and tickets to botcon 
And, you know, I opened the door of Optimus Prime and I have all these stuff. And then at Botcom, I see the sizzle reel for Transformers Animated. And Transformers Animated seems like this whole general mishmash of everything that came before it. And I was on board for that. But done and well. Yes. Because I mean, this done. also feels like a general mishmash of everything that came before it, but done poorly. Yeah, exactly. And th- but that's why I was excited because you see the toys that are coming out, you see the siege line, you see the Earthrise stuff that starts to come out before we even have the show that is siege, and it's like, well, if these are all the characters that are going to be featured in the show. I'm on board for it. Plus, it's all going to drop at once. I can watch it in one setting, right? Mm. If you play it at 1.5 speed, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Hey, you know what? Everything's everything's better when it's roll fast. Uh, Let's let's transform and roll fast. Um, Transform and roll out because we'll be able to go faster through the story. There's no no transforming in this, Sean. I, you know what? I feel like maybe that's why this upset me so much because Siege started the story. That's what, what the first part called Siege. I can't. Yeah. Siege is the first part. Okay, so Siege. I, I think even though it had a lot of issues overall, I like the way it set up what we were gonna do. And then Earthrise, we fought Scorponok for way too long, and there was a lot of confusing stuff happening. But you know what? Here we are. We're on Earth. We're with the the beast, the beast machines. We're with the Beast War Boys. The the, the Beast War Boys are back in town. This is going to be great. And then, yeah, they definitely tried to do way too much in that same span of time. With it, like the other, in hindsight, the other two parts were just getting us here. But they felt like they had to do six episodes of each. Like if it had just been eighteen episodes, period not three six episodes that we could have maybe gotten here more quickly and it wouldn't have been rushed and confusing and dumb and stupid yeah like imagine if siege had if they had done that and like episode one two and three could have been basically a rehash of the more than meets the eye trilogy from g1 but they started changing things that happened and you didn't know why you know, fans would be like, oh, they, they did it differently or whatever. They changed this or that. But it turns out the reason things are changing is because of the timeline manipulation. That would have been a really yeah, cool slow burn story across 18 episodes. You're absolutely right with that. Yeah, but it's just like all the weird time stuff. They didn't, at least maybe not to me, because I, you know, I, 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 I'm watching each of these things. I'm watching this the way that most people are going to watch it. They're going to. They're going to binge it in one day and they're going to wait for the next thing to come out. And they're going to binge that in one day. Like I'm not, you guys are going back and rewatching all this stuff. And I haven't been doing that because I feel like the way because that I'm doing it is the way that they, yeah. Well, yeah. And, but you but they, also, you come, that's what you represent in this, in this moment, Sean. I'm, I'm you, a normie. You, yeah, you, yeah. You're the muggle in this, in this trio. Um, Right, is that can make Harry Potter references? I can too, right? It felt filthy <laughs> in my mouth. I apologize. Oh. I never knew how to say the mirror's name. I'm still a little like Potter shocked by that. I it's have just to be the word honest. desire backwards, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, I got that. I always call it the the, the mirror of the earth arised. And then you but, said it, and I'm like, oh, that's right. He said it right. I don't know. That's what that's supposed to be. But like, I did they 
I feel like they didn't touch on any of this time travel stuff until, like, Kingdom? I know until Kingdom yeah. until until we got there, and and I know that you guys know, and and I guess I did too, like in hindsight, like I I, I understand that the um everything going on in Beast Wars is in like the super duper crazy far future, and like I kind of remembered that, but like, and I know you guys knew that, but they didn't bring it up at all. It's just well, like it's- what. Where but everything I'm... happening in Beast Wars is not the super duper far from far flung future. It is characters from the future being sent to the past of Earth. Oh, oh okay. And they don't realize it. Yeah, that that's the big reveal at the end of Beast Wars. So it's Spoilers the opposite. For... Yeah. Yeah. So well, Megatron saying. knows, but he doesn't yeah. reveal it. The... So the big reveal in Beast Wars was first that they're on Earth. Because th- there's two moons when they get there. They're like, so we're on the wrong planet. They thought they were going to Earth. Turns out they're not. But then one of the moons blows up and they're like, oh, shit, we're on Earth. You know, uh, it- it's the-, the big reveal. <laughs> Which is literally what the writers said they did. They said, well, we'll put two moons and we'll just blow up one if we want them to be on Earth. That That's, that's dr- almost a direct quote from the interview with the writers. <laughs> so I mean, hey, hey, man, I'm just trying to sell a toy. It's I'm very clever. To <laughs> Um, um, but then the reveal in season three of Beast Wars, or at the end of season two, is that not only are they on Earth, they're on prehistoric Earth, and they know where the Ark is where the Autobots and Decepticons crashed. Which is why I do think it's clever that they changed the Maximals and Predacons in this series to this post-apocalyptic world because things yeah. didn't go how it originally did. Time is already being corrupted and manipulated by Galvatron. I do think that's clever. I just don't think that they did it very well. It's very disappointing because I love the idea of Galvatron trying to get out of being a slave to Unicron and effing up the timeline. You've already used up all our F-bombs, Sean. Effing up the timeline to try to save himself. It's it's very on-brand. It's very Megatron. Yeah, it's very Megatron. It's it's because he's always so egotistic, centrally focused, and myopic in whatever he's doing. So Galvatron being like, I don't want to be a slave to Unicron, I'm not going to think of what the consequences of that, of me doing that are, is is brilliant. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And then the turn that you didn't get to see, Sean, at the, uh, in the last episode, where Megatron decides, I don't want to be this jackass, and he goes to shoot Galvatron. I thought that was great, too. I'm like, this is actually really cool. I want to see this fight, Megatron versus Galvatron. You know, I I did... That, that's why I, th- I think I did like a lot more about this. I'm still very disappointed with it. But this... I'm sure to watch the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta... <sighs> Sorry, continue, Zach. I apologize. No, it's fine. It's... It, there are definitely parts of this that I, I really enjoyed. And it's... That makes it all the more disappointing because you see the potential in some of these actually really good ideas and, again, poorly executed. So it becomes very disappointing. So I'm going to make a Dagwood sandwich out of a couple of the points that each of you brought up. Sure. Sean, you complimented Siege for the story that it was setting up. And I 100% agree that Siege was setting up a story that I was committed to and interested in. I was excited for what Earthrise was going to be. 
And one of the main reasons, now since Zach has half a Masters of the Universe Revelation sandwich that I can put with that, is I thought that Siege was going to become a series about those left behind on Cybertron. I thought we were going to get to see what it's like if Alita is in charge with Jetfire and with that group of Autobots while Optimus is out searching for the AllSpark. And that not happening just just makes those first six episodes really feel like a, a waste of time. Because no, everything that happened in them is forgotten. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. I, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to interject. It, all it did was get them off of Cybertron. So you, right. you set up all these cool story threads with um, with Ultra Magnus, like, you know, basically sacrificing himself or whatever. And then it, it, everything else going on and, and Jetfire turning sides and like helping out and like, oh, what are we going to do in this energy? You know, and, and all this stuff. And it's just, all right, cool. We did all that. And now they got in the space bridge and uh oh, it broke. There's somewhere else now. Like the, you you started all these threads and then you just like. It, if it was all just to get them off the planet, you didn't need to dive into any of these characters. That, like, you didn't need to. You just needed the, them to be fighting and have Optimus go. I'm throwing it into the space bridge, and then just, oh no, we gotta chase it. And then that's it. Then they could have just hung out with dinosaurs for 20 episodes, and it would have been fine. And we wouldn't have lost into one of, This goes into one of the points I wrote down here. Literally everything is Optimus Prime's fault in this show. Because he chose to throw the AllSpark. He cho- chose to throw a, I believe it was mythical. A lot of people were saying, who knows if the AllSpark actually exists in Siege. His whole plan was banked on taking this mythical object that may not actually exist, finding it, and getting it off of Cybertron. The same object that the myth is that it is the creation, you know, the lifeblood of their race and runs the planet and everything like that. That was his plan. It's a garbage plan, and he causes everything, which is why I love that Optimus Primal hates his guts when he first sees him. I, I mean, playing Devil, Devin's advocate with this situation, <laughs> I see what you do uh, it, it almost works if his plan is, I'm going to take the AllSpark off the planet, Megatron, because of his singular focus, is going to follow me off of the planet, and then I just got to get back to the planet with the AllSpark, but, like, have left Megatron out there in space somewhere. Like, his plan was not to get rid of the AllSpark. His plan was to get rid of the object that Megatron coveted most in order to recreate the, the planet in his image. So, like, you can almost see what what the thought process was. The thought process is the cancer that is on Cybertron is Megatron and his ambition for this planet, for his view of this world. If we can get rid of Megatron, then we can we can actually work towards all or one, a true unity between everyone on every Cybertronian. So his thought process of, well, if we take his toy and we throw it away, he'll chase after it, but then we never really threw it. Do you guys right? think that he uh, yeah into that point Devin, do you guys think that that like he meant to like pretend to throw it like when you pretend to throw a ball to a dog and they're like oh my god what happened to it but then he accidentally threw it and it fell down the hole yeah. towards omega supreme yeah yeah 
Okay. His whole plan was we're going to turn on the space bridge, I'm going to pretend to throw it, Megatron's going to follow it, and then while he's halfway through, we shut off the space bridge, and we cut off his head. So instead and of building the win. arc, he should have built yeah. a giant trebuchet um, that had a trick uh, hole in it, so the, the Allspark would fall <laughs> off the back. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I think that that's what the plan was. Also, uh, random thought in my mind. Whenever I think about Unicron, I always think his name is Unicron Mon. Was there a Digimon named Unicron Mon? No. I don't know. Uh, there, there is a, there is a, a black Digimon that has a, a singular horn that may have been morphed into your mind into Unicron Mon. Uh, uh, uh. Well, yeah, for some reason I was thinking about Unicron Mon. Anyways, um... It's Unicron Mon! I forgot what I was going to say. It was something All relevant, right. but then Unicron Mon pops into my head. R real, real quick, I want to run through some of these uh, rapid-fire points here that I got. Let's do it. So, the last good points I have are... I did like Rhinox getting chummy with Ratchet and Wheeljack. I thought that was fun character development. Even though, to your point, Sean, yeah, they had nothing to do, so they just stuck those characters in there. Um, yeah. But it was fun watching them interact and yell at each other. Um, the, cog, sure. the cog reflector statue at the end. Uh, which you didn't see, Sean. Sorry. Um, I didn't but <laughs> there's a big statue at the end that they've erected um, after the, the fighting stops. And a lot of people hated this for some reason, but I really liked it. I thought when they started to reveal that there was a statue, I'm like, oh, it's going to be Optimus and Megatron. This is going to be bullshit. And then I see that it's Cog and Reflector. I'm like, that's actually pretty cool that they picked the working class design and, you know, the put Everman. a monument to them. I kind of liked that. Um, I also have a note here that says Starscream go a, Armada. I have a point about that statue and that's the type of people who build a monument to the conflict that just ended first are the type of people who are going to be in conflict again very soon of course they are <laughs> like that is that is our, our first priority is to honor the fallen eh, i mean i don't know do we have any energon on this planet right now like don't Maybe we need to get like a dustbuster in here <laughs> it's just that moment, I'm like, I love that it's Cog and it's Reflector. I do that. I think it is, it is, it really speaks to Optimus and Megatron understanding the true cost of the war for Cybertron trilogy colon whatever. Um, but why? It's not statue time at that point no. at all. I'll tell you when it's not statue time. <laughs> uh, next note I had was Starscream going Armada, which I know Devin, you said you didn't watch the Armada trilogy, but the Starspring character in that show, um, similar arc to Starscream in this show, only actually done better, which I'm very surprised I'm saying, uh, because Starscream in the Armada, the first cartoon, is, he's more like Dinobot, you know, he's, he, he's ambitious, but he also has some nobility to him, and he starts to turn near the end. And also Unicron is a threat uh, that he recognizes is greater than the actual conflict between the Autobots and Decepticons. And he ends up sacrificing himself to get that Megatron and that Optimus Prime to shake hands and actually join forces. It's a really cool buildup and story arc. It's one of the only cool buildups in the Armada cartoon. 
that I really enjoyed. So seeing what Starscream did in Kingdom, it felt very similar to that. How once he realized that there was something much more important than his ego and his ambition and way more important than, you know, everyone else's mission, he put things aside and tried to get Megatron to see and, you know, and just stop the fighting and join forces with the Autobots. I thought that was actually very cool. I liked that. Uh, I, can, uh, I can agree with that. Uh, oh, and I wrote this note specifically for you, Devin. Um, the Orion payoff at the end. Uh, that was... I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it both times that it happened. Uh, I've been trying to, to kind of skirt around it because Sean didn't see it, but... Seeing Alita uh, first as the all-spark and then her actual spark sort of being given life to have that final moment with Optimus. Her fingers are too long. Her fingers are disturbingly long. And I won't apologize for saying that. Her fingers are disturbingly long in that sequence. Um, it felt good. That felt like my fan service moment. Yeah. And when you'd been asking for it all trilogy, so... yeah. When I heard her, I said, oh, please call him Orion. And when she did it at the very end, I'm like, I bet Devin's in tears right now. <laughs> or very angry. And I was. <laughs> well, I was, but it's like, but as much as it affects me, as much as it does, it's a reminder of this great character that they just left behind to die. Yeah. Not, like, both figuratively and literally. I when the Allspark takes on the visage of Alita one, when it walks out and there she is, I, again, this is with a, with better writing, this would have been much more impactful, but I could recognize it as, Oh, this is confirmation that they are definitely dead on Cybertron because here she is, you know, like we knew Ultra Magnus was dead when, you know, the Allspark changed into him, but seeing Alita there, I'm like, this is, Definitely confirmation that they are dead. And in a better show with better writing, this would be a very sad moment. If done well. Uh, in a better show that is given a proper budget, she doesn't show up as Alita. She shows up as her Ariel. original form, yeah. Ariel. And I, and I couldn't think of it. Thank you for, for jumping in there. She shows up as Ariel. She shows up before she was converted into a weapon of war. And... It is an even more impactful moment that, like, he and he says Ariel, and that's how we know, like, someone like Sean, no offense, Sean, but you, you wouldn't know what Ariel looks like. That's your moment where, like, not only are we confirmed that she's dead, but she she get, she's finally at peace, right? She's herself again. Um, oh, Battle Angel. Alita Battle Angel, my wife. <laughs> Ne like next the note I have uh, not nearly as impactful. Cool, <laughs> next note I have is not nearly as impactful, but um, Megatron remembers he's a tank. <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> I am a weapon. <laughs> I almost <laughs> cheered like that. That was great. I'm like, oh, please start shooting at the art. Please transform. I am a weapon, and he turns into the tank. I'm like, oh, I almost get to see a transformation there, and it was good. <laughs> He's like, we saw lots of dinosaurs. Yeah. No, you didn't see any. So a lot of scorpions. You know what? I don't guys have a real thing about scorpions. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you catch Scorpionock in Kingdom, Sean? Yeah, all 18 of them. 
like just randomly, I was like, man, there's no Predacons. And, and then like five minutes later, there was like an army of Scorpinox. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And they're all... Right, I, got, I got two more quick fire notes, and these are under the bad column. And oh, okay. <laughs> one of them oh, is I'm glad you clarified. One of them is no waspinator. He's got a toy in Brazil right now. Right. Maybe it'll come to America. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But it pissed me off that he wasn't in the show. I'm like, you can't do Beast Wars without waspinator. He needs to be there. This this show needs some humor. There's your guy. <laughs> Uh, but the... if we're gonna if we're gonna complain about Predacons that weren't there. Black Arachnia, like I said to you initially, and again, understand seven minutes of the episodes, to me reminded me of Tarantulas, or whatever his name is, the Tarantula one, that, who yeah, like right. is the first one who kind of peels her off from the Predacon and then makes her realize that she she wants to fight for herself because she doesn't trust Megatron and she doesn't trust him. And that's what leads to her being this awesome, like, anti-hero icon character. Um, without him there, like, even in some small way, she just sort of feels like him based on the ambition. It's like, we're, we're going to give that ambition to her. It, it And it's not necessary, especially in a show where, like, you're trying to rush to the end. But he, he I missed him. And I know that he wasn't there that long in Beast Wars, but he made an impression on me. He was there um, almost all three seasons. Was he? Oh, I thought that he died in the second season. No, he dies... Um, not the penultimate... Once Megatron becomes a dragon... the penultimate episode like, of uh, okay. the show. Or right, right before the, the final two-parter. Yeah. Because he, like, I always, that was a character that I always really enjoyed. Because it's like, it's Starscream, it's Starscream, but like, willing to get his hands dirty. It's Starscream and Shockwave in one character. Kinda. Kinda. I might be way off. <laughs> uh, but then the last note I have. Sorry. <laughs> last note. And I made a joke about this in the stop motion animation that you can go see on our YouTube channel. Oh, it's released? Yay. No Rodimus Prime. You got an $80 freaking toy, and you don't put it in this show. <laughs> it makes no sense to me why the Commander Class Rodimus Prime is not in this show. You had an opportunity to put Optimus Prime, Rodimus Prime, and Optimus Primal on screen together, fighting against both Megatrons and Galvatron, and you don't do it? There's the fan service that needed to be there is seeing that cross-generational fight and they didn't do it and it pissed me off. I'm not even going to lie. That one was just, I wanted that to happen. I wanted to see all six of those characters on screen together duking it out. And there's really no reason not to do it. I just, I, just, I don't get it. I don't get why they don't. The fact of the matter is the Transformer toys, based upon the fandom, and, and don't... They, they, I'm not trying to be rude or negative when I say this. It's just a simple fact. They sell themselves now. The yeah. marketing with the original 1984 show was so powerful that when the people who were like, Mom, Mom, buy me a Transformer, were old enough and had the disposable income and saw that Transformers were still available... That's where their disposable income went. Like, you don't need the shows anymore. 
It is not the like five year olds are not watching um, the King, the the War for Cybertron trilogy and then saying I want those toys primarily because the people who were five years old in 1984 are already at the stores buying all of the toys. They're not there for these kids to to buy and fall in love with. And I agree with and, that. Which means all the more reason that this should just be a show that is made for the sake of making a good show. Because it's not like in 1984 where they're just like, we need to sell some toys, come up with some wacky story where, uh, I don't know, uh, a girl falls in love with the plane, the red plane guy and you know, even though he's a robot and she's a woman, haha, that'll be funny. You know, they actually could just say, well, the toys are going to sell themselves because all the people who watch the old cartoon, they have expendable income and can buy whatever the hell they want. Let's just actually make a good show. Right. But the, they don't need to make a good show. And that's the problem. Yeah. They, they learned the wrong lesson from these, these toys are already going to sell themselves. And part of that is the fact that they released the toys for these shows like a year and a half before we ever got to see a single episode of them. So they already had the proof. Like, like I showed my crosshairs figure. I bought that crosshairs figure the December of 2020. The December of 2019. So seven months before the first episode of Siege aired and he was wave five of the war for cybertron siege line like just think about that and they were already it was impossible to find them i saw him in a walgreens and picked him up on a whim it, like it, it just they don't need to do it and it stinks it stinks that this type of show doesn't need to excite people to go out and buy the toys anymore because a show like masters of the universe revelation does need to do that like because the people who are out there buying the toys for that are people who saw the show and were like i'm excited my sister dale saw that show and she's like i need a tila i need an audra those are things that i want to have in my collection and that's because they they put care into that show to make them be the type of characters you want the plastic representation of hmm. but we already want the plastic representation of bumblebee because we've proven that over the last 40 years. So. Sorry. I just... No, 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 no. I, 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 I agree with you. My, my question is, because it totally side note, how was that, um, that, uh, that Kevin Smith masters of the universe show? Cause I, I wanted to watch it, but I haven't yet. That's a whole other podcast. That's an episode <laughs> for another time. Is it, is it, Zach already you, wrote the script. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> No, it's uh. Zach and I talked about it, and then afterwards we realized that we probably should have just recorded it. <laughs> do do you recommend? Do you recommend it? I recommend watching uh, it. I, I can't speak for Devin. I do recommend watching it because going into it from not a fan of He Man, I'll fully admit it. I didn't watch the old cartoon. I didn't like it. It didn't appeal to me. I found things in this to enjoy. There's definitely problems with it. But I enjoyed the animation. The voice acting is stellar. And they definitely did try to do a story that almost... Uh, I, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing someone here, but 
they tried to do a story that was the, the He-Man you remember, not what you watched. And they also tried to do a more, you know, grown-up story, knowing that the fans of the old show were going to watch this. It sure. definitely has problems, though, which Devin and I went back and forth with at length. Yeah. I mean, everything has problems. Yeah. Nothing is perfect, except right. for, of but course, right. I feel like that, it, the He-Man show, you watch it and you go, <laughs> wow, this was made with love. When you watch this, it's why it's so disappointing. Like, I think Devin and I had ranked the, the Netflix cartoons that I've seen. Like, I really liked Voltron. I really liked uh, She-Ra. Um, He-Man, I would put, you know, beneath them, but still was good. And then at the bottom of everything is this... Well, maybe not the exact bottom. I think the remake of Re- uh, Reboot was the worst thing I've ever seen on Netflix. Oh, there the was reboot, a reboot, reboot? <laughs> the reboot, oh, reboot is terrible. Uh, the but... reboot, reboot is Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> but again, done. Well. But bad. But worse for some people. Uh, what I would say, Sean, is if you have managed to avoid information or spoilers about Revelation up to this point you'd probably be doing yourself more of a service if you waited until the second part were released before starting it. Okay, all right, fair be- enough. Be- uh, I mean, one, just because you become a beautiful guinea pig in that moment to see if it avoids some of the pitfalls, not just of a show like this that divided itself up, but I, I was not feeling great after the final episode and I had to remind myself, and Zach reminded me, and everybody that I've talked about has reminded me that it's a halfway point, right? There are more episodes to come. It's just, it's just not a great place to leave you in a, as a cliffhanger. And that, and that is disappointing to me. And then I have some issues with characterization, and I have some issues with how the fandom has approached the characterization. It's, it's stacks on stacks on stacks for me. That being said, I tracked down the Mattel Creations uh, Scareglow character because I thought that he was such a good job uh, giving him the characterization that they did. So, like, it worked on me. It sold toys to me. A hell of a cast in this show. Holy crap. Yeah. 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 Imagine if they had taken a cast like that and put it on this. People who could actually... Every complaint that we have about War for Cybertron is something to be celebrated in the Masters of Universe revelation. And I think that's probably where we should cut talk about that, because I I, I don't want to plan your show, but I think once that second part releases, it is something that would probably be worth talking about in the Board with Friends space. Absolutely. The only only two of the things I'm going to say about it. Number one, good to see that Phil Lamar is still just voicing absolutely everybody ever and everything. (laughs) Uh, and <laughs> and that and that, the reason why I ask is uh, 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 Griffin Newman, who's Orco, was on a he, he's on a bunch of the podcasts. So he's like always a he's a re- reoccurring guest on like five different podcasts that I listen to. So I was like, ah, I think this guy's funny. I think he was in that Amazon Tick show. I'll I'll check this out. That was it. He's good. Man. <laughs> he is right. good. On that note, I think we yeah. should uh, we could end it here. I, I yeah, think we I, all gave a thorough opinion of the War for Cybertron trilogy, and it's mostly negative, but hey, you can check it out if you really want to. It's been out for a while now, actually. Uh, the only reason we're recording this so late is because Sean refused to watch it on time. Uh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. That's accurate. I, 
I, I watched it the day it came out. I'm like, why did I do that? I but. watched it the Saturday after it came out because it was the first time I had a free moment to do so. <laughs> and then I'm like, man, if I didn't love Zach and Sean and know that I was invited to be on the episode about this, I don't know if I would have finished it. I watched it within today. the week of you telling me I had to. <laughs> I, see, I told you, Devin, if we set a date, that would make him watch We give it. him a deadline. It was... <laughs> There was a bit of consp- conspiratorial, conspiratorial talk, Sean, to make oh, this episode happen. If you happen. tell me to watch the th- hey, we're recording this on this day, I'll do, I'll do it. If you'd say, hey, we're going to do this, uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> All right, yeah, Sean, good uh, news. next episode you we're going to – You got that on digital tape. <laughs> you can... Sean, the sting worked, buddy. The next episode, we're going to uh, review the reboot reboot. So you got to watch that by next week, okay? I, no, by next week isn't isn't exact enough. <laughs> you need to give him a date. He's good with John, deadlines. we He's are not... recording this. On this date, at this time. No, oh, we should sure. probably pick something that's actually good to review. That way we're not always negative. I don't know oh. what sorceress of something or other from He-Man is, but this lady's from Providence. That's Susan not... Eisenberg? Yep. That's uh, Wonder oh. Woman. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it now. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Oh, hey. Nice. Uh, all right. And also, I mean, Zach said that we, we kind of crapped all over the entire trilogy. But, you know, if you're somebody who hasn't watched any of it but, but listened to us, it would be interesting to see what it would be like for somebody who just sits and binges all 18 episodes. Right? People do that. Yeah, oh no, for sure. I think we should each, before we go, Zach, I want to end it on a positive note. I want us each to say one nice thing about Kingdom. I'll go first. I've said all my nice things. I'll go first. (laughs) The Force Ghost of Dinobot made me laugh out loud unironically. (laughs) No, that's condescending. I can't say that. Um, His little, his little, uh, like one man army fight scene thing, um, and, and and I know that this speech and stuff is apparently stolen, like word for word. But but his his little conclusion um, in episode four, um, while it was one thousand percent unearned, I did think it was very cool. You could have just said Dinobot and and probably won the podcast. I'm not gonna lie, Dinobot. Once they left the base. And, and, and like during all, yeah, you know, just Dinobot, I guess, because then during the Mirage stuff, like he was the first one out of literally all of them and all of their three separate groups to realize that they were uh, illusions and like stuff. So just, I guess just Dinobot. Dinobot's good. Dinobot's very good. Uh, since Zach is trying to think of one, I'll, I'll give mine. Uh, and Zach, he already kind of touched on my major one, which is the acknowledgement of having Alita call Optimus Prime Orion. Um, but I will say that it is making Nemesis Prime feel like an actual character. Uh, I know that you didn't get there, Sean, but uh, he was the spoiler figure for the Earthrise set. And then in Earthrise, he showed up for like four frames of animation during a vision that Optimus Prime saw when he entered the dead universe. And I'm like, oh, that was cool. What a spoiler. What a spoiler pack. 
But then hearing them all talk about Nemesis, and then when they get back to Cybertron, Nemesis being this evil Optimus Prime who has been reconverted similar to Megatron into Galvatron, and the two of them are working together, is... It's beautiful. I mean, um, Nemesis Prime, Scourge, Robot from Robots in Disguise, whatever you want to call it, that black and teal has always appealed to me. And for all of the bots and recolors and redecos that we didn't get in this series, that we actually got to spend some time with Nemesis Prime was perfect. Plus Jetfire. But that's for the whole series. Mm, I yeah, love yeah, yeah. Jetfire. Jet, Jetfire, I enjoyed. All right, I'm going to piggyback day. off of yours, Devin, if that's mm-hmm. okay. No, so of course. <laughs> the best thing I can say about this is the potential of good story. And by that, I mean, I really enjoyed Megatron turning good and fighting against Galvatron. Like that scene really stuck with me. I'm like, this is really cool. I want more of this kind of thing. And off of what you said, I had written down Prime accepting he's wrong to stop his own fate. He, 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 both of them had character moments that were really cool in that last episode. Megatron realizing, I don't want to be Galvatron. I, I want to be in charge of my own fate. I'm going to stop this right now. And then Optimus Prime looking across that hole in the ground and seeing Nemesis and realizing, that's what I'm going to become if I don't stop this now. Like both of them making that decision to take control and not give into their potential futures. It is very cool. Also, I did like the stinger at the end where uh, Unicron's like, you gave me an idea <laughs> and, uh, of using you know time travel and messing with things. So if they actually do a sequel to this, one, I hope they actually give it a budget and you know do something with it. But I did like a lot of the story ideas in this, but it's just so poorly executed not to end it on negativity uh but i'm choosing to focus on like these good story elements that i would like to see more of stuff like that yeah and not to end it on negativity but piggybacking off of sean's comment about dinobot not really earning his moment of his real man of genius moment that stuff happening in the sixth episode also kind of feels like it came from nowhere which is a tiny bit disappointing yeah. But the fact that it happens at all really kind of blew away any expectations I had after watching the first five episodes that came. So it's there. They have the potential. And I do hope that that potential is spotlighted and highlighted if this gets a seat. And the way that it sold toys, I'd be really surprised if we didn't see more of this on Netflix in some way, shape, or form. From what I understand, the next generation's toy line is going to be, it's going to be more multiversal. So I Mm -hmm. think that's what Unicron's comments were going to lead to, is they're going to start pulling from other Transformers universes, basically. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing an animated Shattered Glass. I know that that they've been getting a lot of toys right now, which, like, Shattered Glass is getting the the spotlight because it's IDW line. So that would be exciting. Um, and, and really, they were kind of ahead of the curve with the whole multiversal stuff for this series. It sort of stinks that they kind of dropped the ball with it. 
Yeah. So it will be a forgotten footnote instead of the thing where people can be like, oh, yeah, no, Marvel's doing multiverse stuff, but, you know, Transformers War for Cybertron, they really tapped into that first. All right, that's all I got. Okay. Get your shit and get out. All right. Bye. Well...